We are live. Welcome everybody to take two, the grand edition. I don't know, we should name it or something. <laughs> take six. Inaugural. Take six. <laughs> yeah, I'm such an R&B band. Yeah, yeah. I like, I love Fast and Furious. Uh, <laughs> take two, take six. Anyway, welcome to take two. As you can see, we've got a whole panel here joining us. Uh, tonight, is the light supposed to be red or does it matter? Oh, no, that light's not on tonight. Okay, no light, so it's okay. Just one camera, so... All right, we're on, so... Anyway, so glad you guys can join us, and we're really going to have a review of a lot of things that we've been talking about the past 10 weeks, and these wonderful people have been a part of that conversation, and so I wanted to have kind of a broader discussion. And, and remember, what Take Two is meant to be is opportunity for us as a, a collective group of people to gather together and to interact on the things that are spoken about on Sunday. I shared early on that the scriptures were always spoken or read in a group, that it was never, here's your Bible, go home, because there wasn't a Bible for them to take home. Uh, they had the Torah, and it was in scrolls in the synagogue. Uh, there weren't Bibles that people could actually take with them until the 1800s. So think about that. For thousands of years, people interacted around the scriptures together. And so this is really where I think depth is able to uh, be dug up. And we're able to be kind of enriched by that with one another. And so... Over this whole series that we've been doing, The Politics of Jesus, um, I want to throw this out to all of you. And again, we're going to kind of open this up and go back and forth. This isn't just like, okay, it's your turn, your turn, your turn. Um, have there been some things that have stood out to you or maybe that have struck you that have just mulled over in your minds that you um, have been thinking about past the time when maybe it was just there on Sunday? Any things that have been talked? I'll start. Okay. Um, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all, folks. We're done for the night. <laughs> I think that we've talked about how you using the name Politics of Jesus is a what was like a like risky business. Uh, talk, you know, in a time such as these, and I think that has led into so many conversations throughout my week. I've been like every time we talked about something on Sunday. I'd be in the week talking about exactly that, you know, about maybe religious um, manipulation, language, about salt and light, about, um, you know, I was playing basketball the other day and someone's like, I put it on my dead mama. Like, like, like they're fighting and he's like, I swear, I swear, I put it on my dead mama. I was like, you're putting something on your dead mom? And I was like, we just talked about this in church, but I was like attaching this, like, this oath to this thing that, um, that, cause your word's not good enough and how mm -hmm. uh, we have to get back to the, place that we're our yes means yes and no means no and we we are known for that like but i mean it's been leaking into my you know my life and i think that's what stood out the most hmm. the the aggressiveness of the name led into uh, <laughs> led into other parts of my life because it's like when i talk about politics that's all anybody wants to talk about mm. at least in my circle right now but i'm like there's another politics you know and i think it's this yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think mine similar to that is kind of like reframing, if you will, the definition of politics. Because mm -hmm. I think for me, both professionally and socially, I'm like, I hate the politics. I just want to do the good work, right? But like with through these conversations, I almost feel like there's this reintroduction or like reclaiming of politics through Jesus. And I think that's been really cool and has sort of changed the way that I've approached certain situations in my work life, right? Is mm -hmm. like, okay, how do we reclaim politics or introduce the politics of Jesus in my leadership, in my work, in my family, and all these things. So yeah, I think cool. it's sort of been like a, a reintroduction, a reclaiming, or at least not being afraid to step into conversations that before I used to completely avoid. Mm -hmm. um, so I find myself like being more willing uh, to having these types of conversations, political right conversations, mm -hmm. because there is now a different model from which I hadn't really approached it before. Cool. Yeah. For me, it's um, it's it's some. I mean, all of this is good stuff, and I think that's like kind of the the place we're all going to end up uh, 
with what's been happening. Um, but also, I, um, and I, I've probably said this on a take two or two in the past, <laughs> but, um, but for me, it's really like, you know, I, I've been a Christian for a long time, and these are very familiar passages of scripture. And for me, it's always, I think that the, you know, the more I kind of analyze the way I've thought about it before, I think we are always trying to bring this old text into our society or into our culture and, and have it mean something for us today. But the way you've taught this is actually kind of in reverse, right? We're learning what it meant when he taught it. Mm. And that has helped me a lot immensely <clears throat> to understand the, um, because it's not the same. Sometimes like we try to, we try to hip, you know, make the Bible hip and like, you don't really need to do that. This is, this is like, these are the words of Jesus. You know what I mean? They carry their own weight. They, they have their own depth, their own meaning that we don't have to make some cool little, uh, you know, catchy thing out of them. But really that for me is the big thing, like looking at it through the eyes of Jesus and what he's actually doing is teaching us to look at people through the eyes of God. In this in this passage, so that's that's how it's been for me. That's awesome. Very cool. I mean, at the very beginning, I, I really wanted it to to understand that our idea of politics, right, is kind of uh, partisan, right? We have our different parties, and that the politics of Jesus is neither left nor right nor religious, right? It, it's framed around the kingdom of God and. <laughs> That's a big difference because the political systems that we're familiar with in our country are about individual liberties, right? And it's called liberalism classically. And we see that the scripture is really not about the individual liberties as much as it is about a collective responsibility, right? And, and that's a huge difference because individual liberties then can be like, well, these are my liberties. This is the way I want to live my life, you know, and then Jordan over there wants to live his life this way. He wants to live in a van and do all these things, right? I mean, we have these different ways of having our liberties, but <laughs> the collective responsibility, it doesn't matter where he's at and where I'm at. We are in this together for something else. And that's kind of at the heart of the idea of the kingdom, and then everything builds on top of that. Are there any other things? I mean, I can kind of go over some of the topics that we talk about, um, and or were there any other topics that maybe stood out to you guys? Um, I mean, I talked about the Beatitudes, right, the whole such as these, that this is what the kingdom looks like. We talked about salt, light, the abolish and fulfill, murder, anger, adultery, lust, divorce, oaths, eye for an eye, and love your enemies. Um, those are all kind of the things that we've talked about. And really, it's a lot of stuff, right? I mean, can you imagine being the people who sat there and listened to this in one sermon, right? One, it's like, he's going still. It's like everything... <laughs> mind-blowing and all these things. Um, at least it's been blowing my mind in a lot of things. Um, what are some of your thoughts just on this idea of the politics of Jesus showing up in maybe one of these categories? Well, uh... Listening to you for these past few weeks and even having different conversations uh, on different take-twos and, and with people offline, um, kind of the the stance that we're looking at um, what's coming from the Bible in this series, I think is something that is not what I would call the mainstream stance. And to kind of use that word reframing, uh, we have a lot of ideas behind certain words. And I think sometimes there is a very attractive desire to not know the actual definition of a word, but to decide that this is what it is because this is what I want it to be. For instance, freedom. Um, I think there is a, a certain way of looking at freedom where it's, I can do whatever I want. And then there's another way of freedom looking at, uh, it is boundaries and it is limitations and it is responsibilities. Um, and I think that sometimes we can get caught up in 
actually not looking up what things mean and trying to catch context you know like listening to somebody say something oh i don't know that word i'm not gonna look it up i'm not gonna ask you i'm gonna figure it out but kind of like you know sprinkle some of my desire of what i want it to mean in there and then it over time nobody challenges me and that kind of becomes what it is um and one of the things that i was uh i felt that was really highlighted in this uh this series is what I would call this concept of religiosity, where it's this element of faith that I think is the mortal application or the make sure you do this, you can't do this, you're going to get in trouble for this, you follow these rules, here's your reward. Um, and when I hear, when I read about Jesus talking, when I look at the red letters in the book, um, I don't read religiosity. I don't read any religion. I read like look at things for what they are and treat things like what they are so don't label something and treat it that way look at it for what it is and try to uh deal with uh the full picture rather than you know sprinkling some of what i want into it and saying that's what it is yeah i i think our the gravity of our culture pulls us back to that religiosity right because there's so much in our culture, in the Christian world, that has taken language and made it it to mean certain things, like you know, freedom or um, gosh, so many of the things there. Even the ideas that we've been looking at of love, you know, how we interpret love your enemies and, and those things, we can try and fit them into our religious system instead of take them where they're at and in a life application and it's hard to break out of that religious system for some of us who've been in it for so long right it's like no i mean karina and i talk about this all the time it's like man it's like so ingrained in us that you know it's like it, it just keeps everything keeps getting filtered through this religious system and we have to keep kind of knock it off you know snap out of it so that you can reclaim what Jesus is actually saying, and it actually have an impact in the culture again, instead of trying to make the culture one that it'll work in. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But, one of the things that I've seen too is in, in Jesus kind of having to, at you know, at this point in history where he's having to kind of. Uh, we're going to keep saying reframe all night, so I'll try to use a different word. <laughs> <laughs> where, where he's having to, you know, explain to people that this is actually what God wants from us. Because you've heard it said this way for a long time. And even all the way back in the, in the history of, uh, you know, the Hebrew people, when, even when they, when they established their first king, Right, it wasn't really what God wanted for them. Like they built their own kingdom, mm -hmm. and you know, he, uh, you know, he let that happen. But they, but they established the kingdom for themselves because that's what all the other folks were doing, and they wanted to, you know, have something fortified, I guess. But since that time, you know, all these years, hundreds of years later, now Jesus is going, you guys. You've been thinking about this wrong the whole time, right? The prophets came and tried to fix it, and you didn't listen to them. Now, like I'm telling you, I am the authority, and I'm here to tell you, you you've, you're looking at all this the wrong way. Right. And that that's a that's a big like mind twist because like what you're saying, when you when you when the Christian culture that you've grown up in um, has has got things wrong, and you have to do the same thing reframe um then the next step is how do i not let that happen again from where i'm at now yeah. right and there's a whole lot of different like i mean we could talk about that but like that's gonna lead to dependence on the spirit rather than this own infrastructure that i'm rebuilding now because mm -hmm. i might be wrong again <laughs> yeah i mean kingdom mentality it is broader than ourselves, and so it always has to be, I think, adaptable to the people yeah. that it cares for. You know, and the character is there in the Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, those 
peacemakers, all those things represent, and so that can be moved throughout time and throughout cultures, and it can look a little different, but still be those characteristics, yeah. you know, yeah. which is, to me, freeing, right, that it's not stamped in cement and that's it forever. It's like, well, this culture, this is how it looks, and this is how it shows up, which is a little different at the time of Jesus, maybe, than it is at our time. Um, but it's still prevalent, and the characteristics are there. You know, touching one of the things you said about just, you know, you got it wrong. Jesus, when he said, you know, you think I've come to abolish, you know, the, the scriptures? I haven't. I've come to fulfill them. And we talked about what that meant, because that always was a troubling one for me. It's like, but we're not keeping the Sabbath, right? We're not keeping the dietary laws. We're not keeping all those things. But he was talking about abolish means your interpretation of them is wrong and you're not putting it into your life. And the fulfilling is I'm going to reframe it. I'm going to help you understand it the right way and live it out, right? And that's a huge difference because the letter of the law, Paul would say, brings death. Right? And, and that's the kind of thing, oh, it's about this, we got to follow this rule, follow this, you know, religiosity. And, and that's how you're going to get there. That's how we're going to please God. That's how we're going to win back the nation, those kinds of things. And Jesus is saying, no, that, that, it doesn't look like that. Right. But this is why it's so impactful, you know, in, in our time, because we're doing the same thing. Like the things, not you or... Brian, or you know what I mean, but like the things that people value are this kind of bravado and machoism, and uh, the the same kind of things that were the spiritual leaders of his time were doing the same kind of thing, and that's why it's that's why when you read the Beatitudes and you're like, man, that's the exact opposite of of what our leaders look like, yeah, right, or maybe what I look like, and that's a that's a that's a that's a you know that's a mind trick something that you said earlier too though was like uh, you said relying on the spirit and I think it's making sure that we're doing that instead of getting to a position where we're also overcorrecting ourselves right and then that becomes the religion I feel like it could just as easily get into a point to where I'm like I see all of these things I need to flip it now I'm just overcorrecting all the time and I'm yeah. not even being led by the spirit yeah. you know so I think the <coughs> how yeah. you move forward because I, I can easily get stuck in that. And like, okay, now I'm just in the act of overcorrecting. I'm not even relational with my God anymore, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's just something that sparked yeah, when you point. shared. What? Um, I'm going to raise my Because <laughs> I don't know when to, like, interject. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just regarding this whole conversation and just what we've been hearing through the series, um, I really like, I don't know, like the, the freedom. It's not like, because I think a lot of times with the, the faith that I've learned or um, like you said, the red, you know, red letter, like these are, there's things that I've learned and I love the freedom that, um, that it doesn't always have to be like my way or, you know, my way or the highway. I don't, um, um, that it's okay to change my mind about things and about the way that I, you know, lived my faith, the way that I practiced my faith, the, the things that, um, and even like, so religiously, politically, I feel like I always had to like, well, no, I have to take a stand, mm -hmm. you know, either like in this camp or this camp. And you know what? I don't need to be, I'm in Jesus's camp <laughs> and I don't have to, I don't have to um, have like all the answers. I don't, I can just listen to what this person is sharing. I don't, you know, or this person over here and I don't have to feel like I have to um, like, uh, have like right answers or, you know, like just learn. Um, and I think for me, I feel like I can be relational with people that are so different from me, that believe differently than me. I don't have to try the, to bring them over to 
my belief system. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very freeing for me because I don't like, you know, it's just, it's like I can care for people, I can love people, um, they're unique, they're made in the image of God, and um, I don't, you know, I don't have to change their way of thinking. And so, um, so I, I like that. I think it's given me a lot of freedom, yeah. you know, just to, to, and then just to listen more, to be mindful and try to hear like words mean so many different things, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it's okay if I even ask and like, what do you mean by that? You know, um, yeah, or disagree. Like, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't think so. Right. I mean, that was part of the system. You know, what you were saying reminds uh -huh. me of a quote by Bob Goff, where he says, I used to try and change people, but now I just want to be with them. Right. Yeah. I love that. It's like, you know, that's where change takes place is just by being with people. And instead of saying, no, this is the right way of seeing this. Where's the dialogue? Where's, well, you know, and that's what, like, Jordan will always come in with something and like, what about this? You know, he'll sprinkle something on there and like, what are you doing, man? You're messing with my mind. <laughs> it's like, it, but those are, that's where growth takes place, right? That, that's what the scriptures were meant to be in is the conversation and it's gotten to the place where if you say well i don't understand that or i don't believe that you're a heretic yeah. right and i always wondered like did paul and james agree on everything or did you know paul and peter agree on everything that they talked about probably not most people say probably not and i'm like well did it show up in their writings it's like ooh, you know now you got to think about it because what if they're bringing different ideas that are meant to be wrestled with, not because this is the right way you got to hold to it, but because this wrestling helps you That's to good. understand things in a deeper way, because how can we figure God out? I mean, let's get real, right? I mean, there has to be some humility in this that no language or limited language that we have is going to be able to fully help us understand these things, right? And so I love that this is born in that culture. And I think this, what we're having here and what we're doing on take two and what I want to do more is have that kind of conversation, mm -hmm. right? Have that dialogue. I mean, most of you guys here, we've gone out besides Sundays or Wednesdays and we have great talks. You know, we sit down and we have food and we have something to drink and we have a deep conversation. Right, about all these things that we're talking about. And it's like, that's where it's supposed to happen. And these are life topics, mm -hmm. you know, that we can continue having conversation in. Yeah. Okay. The, before we started recording, I think Sam and Gil and I were talking about random things. And uh, one no. of the things... <laughs> random things? One of the things that came up was... Uh, like the high school mindset. And I'm hearing you guys talk right now and I'm like relating it to, to the sermon series. And uh, kind of I'm, I'm in my mind drawing parallels between uh, what Jesus is, is telling people where um, most people have been in high school in the United States, which uh, is a, a very unique experience where while you're there, it seems very important and everything seems very important, and you have your school spirit and this and that, and you can try something new, like mm -hmm. you can take an elective that's like kind of edgy, or you can learn how to bake, <laughs> you can carry around a baby doll for a while, and you can try on new clothes, but it's within this high school universe. And for four years, if you go to high school the whole time, it's very like, that's everything. But then you graduate, and it's like, that none of that even mattered. Like, all of that's over, and we're on to actual reality now. And I'm bringing this up because I feel like uh, kind of what Jesus is preaching is like, guys, like, we're not in high school anymore. Like, stop acting like that. And, like, we're holding on to this universe that we're living in and trying to make changes within high school, within the campus. And you can make drastic changes within the campus. Like, you can join a sport, or you can volunteer for this, or you can become ASB president. 
But does that really matter inside of the, the kingdom, inside of the real world? And I think it's, it's hard for some people that have only been to high school to realize to, when Jesus comes in from outside of the high school to talk at like an assembly or something like that, like what is he talking? What do you, and it like he can talk about all these things and they can be true, they can be valid, but it may not hit home or it may not make any sense. It may feel weird because that's not your experience. Because often I feel like when you have kingdom talk with people, you bring kingdom principles around people, people are used to being like, oh, Democrats, oh, Republicans, oh, the, the once in a blue moon libertarian or something like that. And they can deal with that because that's math and home ec and, right. and football. But you're talking about something that's outside of high school or like, and it's, it's not the same category. So they can't use the same tools to address it so they get uncomfortable. Yeah, that's really good. I really like that too because if you even think about staying on that analogy developmentally in high school you can't comprehend certain things right so i think there's even like <laughs> speak for yourself sorry randy was extremely developed he looked exactly like this in high school yeah he was already randy is yeah. in high school randy, yeah. he's our high school never left. <laughs> but um but yeah like developmentally there's things that we can't even comprehend at certain yeah. parts in, in in our physical mm. development right in our biological yeah. development and that's that same thing in like our spiritual development like we have that we don't even have the vocabulary the life experiences the relationships the people the outsideness right like to begin to even entertain some of these other topics these other things like we're incapable of going there and i think it's like that spiritual maturity like with different conversations with mm. different all of those things like you level up and you can talk about other things. I also feel like that it was brilliant, by the way, the, the analogy. I also think learning through what Jesus was teaching, it was almost like he was meeting them at the high school, teaching them about how to mm. not think about high school in a sense too. Like not only there was there could be a position where Jesus came to high school and they didn't understand at all, but it's almost like some of the stuff I was that you were teaching was me hearing Jesus meet them where they are and 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 say, This isn't it. Um all you're doing is thinking about everybody else and how they think about you. There's a way that you can re relate that makes you a a citizen that is um not only considerate, compassionate like you start, the way that Jesus was teaching was like the countercultural high school. It was like that one kid that just like was by himself all the time, the hippie, uh, like <laughs> that just walked by and just dropped some knowledge and then just walk away. And it was like enough to be like, wow, he said something that like really touched my soul. I, I mean, before, before Jesus, I... <laughs> Jesus, Jesus played hacky sack. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus played hacky sack and, set and wore Birkenstocks. Yeah, and sure. Jesus looked exactly like Jesus today, but um, yeah. on the pictures. But he, <laughs> earlier today, I was with a friend who were trying, like two hours of us digging of how to figure out how to approach this poem. He was trying to write a poem about abortion from the male point of view. Um, and we're like, well, this is really sensitive. Let's let's be careful that you don't come off this way. Let's make sure that you don't offend or look like you're trying to be um, taking the victim role or any of this stuff, right? So it was like a very sensitive writing situation. And we got nowhere. And then he was like, I need to take an hour because I have a therapy session. And I'll come back. I'll take it in my car on a Zoom. So he took it in the Zoom, and he comes back. And he's like crying because it always cries after the therapy. Who doesn't? And who doesn't? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, it, it's me. I, I, I was self-righteous. I was, this, this, like, this whole time we're trying to figure out how not to, the, the approach to take in this poem. And it was like his therapist played Jesus and was able to show him, um, it, it was how you related to people. It was how you saw people. I'm going to change that part. I'm going to change mm. that. This whole time you saw people, how, how can you look at that girl, the single mom or the girl that was at the abortion clinic and see her like, but you're her, you know, like that's the approach you take. You see yourself in everybody and you see how you relate to people and you see how how your role in the body is. Um, see, check, come here, Jasper. <laughs> and he's going to join the he's going to join the party. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the approach that I feel like Jesus was taking. That's what I feel like the politics of Jesus showed me. See you, buddy. Yeah. The, the uh, you know, saying in the in the high school analogy for a second. It's, it's even to me, like, that's beautiful. 
But like the, the further step I think that's more radical is he's kind of going, your teachers are all wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And, and the guys you look up to are the, mm. you know, those aren't the guys to look up to. Like he's, right. it's, it's even more like, oh my gosh. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. turn the world on its head. And, and mm. yeah, I mean, and that was the whole, you know, problem that they had with Jesus is he was usurping their authority in a way that was really empowering everybody. Yeah. And it's like, what do we do if you empower everybody? What do we do with our power? You know, it's it's taking it away from us. And, you know, gosh, I got chills when you were just talking, Brian, about that because it was so, you know, the ability to have that empathy, right? To see someone and to see yourself in that person, right? It's so much the story of Christ, you know, and when he says, you know, therefore be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect, he, he's talking about you, you need to grow in this love, right? You need to mature in how this love shows up in people's lives. That's really the point of that, I believe, is that Jesus is trying to help us see that we need to mature in how we care about people and how we love people, including our enemies, including those who persecute us, and how we interact with all these different scenarios with women, as we talked about, you know, coveting and divorce and lust and all these things. You need to mature in how you actually care and love people. And that's what the kingdom is about, is us growing into that area of love so that we can have a deeper connection with each other that then becomes very infectious, you know, in how we live together collectively. That's awesome. Because my assembly, I, I remember the one with the yo-yo guy. That was, <laughs> that's the only assembly. That was still alive. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that guy and the guy that wanted you to sell a bunch of chocolate. <laughs> I, I like what, what Randy was saying because um, I think at least in my generation there's a lot of posts online now that are talking about like yeah, pre-calculus is great but maybe you should have taught me how to do taxes um, and <laughs> there's like <Credit. laughs> there's these, these things that people are getting paid not only to teach you like I'm talking about teachers in high school right now but they're getting paid to convince you that are important, they're trying to like give you this pitch of like, this is what you need to know to be successful. Also, college means success. And like, they're, they're pitching you this like path to go down. And I'm not saying that's a bad path, and I'm not saying pre-calculus is bad, because I actually use pre-calculus in my job, but that's rare. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think Jesus comes in, and he tries to explain, like, that's not the only road, that's not the end of the road, and there's still other things. But when you've been molded in such a way for such a long time, because the, the United States education machine is, like, very well designed. It, it creates a certain mindset, and it creates a certain trajectory, that, and it makes you feel like a failure if you go through it and you don't go along that trajectory. Um, and I think the, um, the religiosity of, at least at the time of the Bible, the correct way to act must have felt like that, especially because of all the really harsh punishments that you would get for not following the way. It's not just detention. Um, you might have to like drink dirt water and get become homeless and give people all your clothes, like all this stuff. Um, people throwing rocks at you, uh, and it's it's got to be very difficult to have that transition and change. It's one thing to be taught correctly to be brought up in the right way so you won't depart from it but to to really buy into the high school mentality and the prom night is the best night of my life and then change that and then say no that was just a night I'm going to get better I'm going to work on myself I'm going to learn how to do taxes I'm going to do all these things it's one thing to to learn through high school and keep learning but to like believe that high school is the universe and then have your universe rapidly expand or have have that be a risk like I feel like that that kind of uh, divider between like the high school mentality or the religiosity mentality and the the way or the kingdom mentality 
is very real and it's very difficult to overcome no matter who you are. And I think sometimes for the people who may not have been so immersed in the religiosity or so immersed in the high school mentality or had help to get out, um, it, it, it may not seem like such, like such a big barrier, but I can see how like it's like dominoes where it's not just, oh, you changed this one thing. Like all the things are connected in your head, all the culture, all the friends, all the family, maybe it's the person you married and the kids that you've raised have these ideals that are, oh, well, you're saying everything I taught my kids for the last 10 years is incorrect. Like it's it's almost as if like in the 50s, um, <laughs> it was the last thing, last thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> like in the 50s, uh, uh, there would be like white supremacists in America that would think mm-hmm. it's a wholesome thing to take their their kids on a Sunday afternoon to watch someone get lynched. Mm-hmm. And they, they really thought that was a wholesome thing to do. And imagine waking up later and being like, that was terrible. And I took my five-year-old daughter to that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's hard to make that switch. That's very difficult. And so uh, I, I, I know kind of we sit up here sometimes and say like, yeah, we should do this. We should encourage people to do this. But like, I want to acknowledge like, that's super difficult to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's important, too, because I know that we've gone through those struggles and have to deal with those things. I think most of us have, you know, where we're having to acknowledge you're wrong or the way you've been living, seeing things has been, you know, missing an important piece. And now when that piece becomes something that you notice and it exposes the, you know frailty of the other things you've been holding on to so tenaciously it, it it's troubling you know i think one of the things that we did go through when i was talking about um you know adultery and lust and divorce and oaths all those things really had to do with the treatment of women and how women were considered property and adultery was a violation against another man's property right and it's like can we all just agree, like, that is just horrific, like, that's a terrible thing? Everyone says, yeah, that's a terrible thing, terrible thing. But then you look at the majority of evangelical churches that will not allow women to have places in leadership, right? And and it's based on, and we kind of covered this, or I covered that, where well, here's a, a verse, and I'll hold on to this verse, right? And I'm going to keep this because this is my worldview, and it, it holds that. And then when you see something that starts shattering at that, it's like, well, if I let go of this, what about this? What about this? It all starts to crumble, and I have to start questioning everything, and that is hard. We've had people, I remember one gentleman came up afterwards, he'd been coming to Genesis probably about a month, and he was like, man, I love this place. I love the people are so good. This is blah. He was just going on singing our praises. And he goes, yeah, I went to this one church and, you know, they had a woman pastor. And so I knew that wasn't for me. And I was like, ah, you know, and I was just sitting there first. I'm like, just don't say anything, Sam. Just don't say anything. You'll just reel him in. You know, he'll just come in and then he won't want to leave. And I just said, well, you know, and I, <laughs> and I threw out some things to him and I never saw him again. Right. And it was like you're saying that was too much for him to accept, because if he had to accept that, it would shatter so many other things, you know, and that is a hard thing. Some people, it's like all these things you said you were looking for, you will forfeit those just because of this one thing. Right. And and I think that happens a lot, which is telling in itself. it It can feel a lot like you've been like doing all this to save for retirement and maybe you've been doing it in Bitcoin and uh, like after 20 years of saving in Bitcoin, like you have to admit that Bitcoin isn't worth anything and you have to start saving in dollars. And that can be so hard to be like, all this work I did was uh, nothing. Um, and. Do you know something? I don't know. <laughs> that was an, that was, I was like, because Bitcoin's worth a lot of money. Right now. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta make a call. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. Yeah. It's hard. That's good. Yeah. I, it's just a thought. Like, I feel like we all, I don't even know where this all fits in, but just like when we're like trying to hold on mm-hmm. to everything, we don't want to lose anything. And it just, I don't know, that's like kind of like the power struggle, I think, sometimes. But like Jesus just kind of like just let go um, 
of that power that I'm, you know, that control that I'm trying to hold on to. Um, I don't know where also I'm going to go with that, but, but you know, just like, I just feel, I just kind of feel that I feel that I'm more at peace if I just let go sometimes of things, um, even, you know, in, in the work environment when I'm trying to like hold my place and, and keep what I have and, um, and sometimes I just have to, you know what, this isn't going to work out for me. I need to let this go. I need to let somebody else try, you know, um, just give this thing away as a gift and see what they can do with it. And, and, and other things will come my way, but I don't have to just try to keep my little um, world. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. just kind of like the thought that I'm having. It's kind of like right a now. false sense of security, right? You're building a world around obtaining and holding positions and, again, this power system. And you find that Jesus comes and, and throws the wrench in it and says, no, that's not the way. You know, if you really want to do things the right way, you offer your other cheek, right? You mm-hmm. give your cloak also. You walk the extra mile. This is... This is elevating you and it's elevating humanity instead of that grab to try and yeah. hold on. Um, and it is hard because, again, it's ingrained in us. It's yeah. part of our culture. Um, and so we are finding ourselves keep, I can't let people take advantage of me. I can't, you know, I've got to hold on to what's mine. And it's, I got to fight for this, you know. If I, I mean, there's so much of our lives that are built on this. You know, I just went to... A Dodger game yesterday and it's not like oh it's okay take a base right I mean yeah. it's like no you're there to beat the other guys you know you're getting yeah. and, and they did and go Dodgers um, but it is part of you know we take that and remove it from baseball and put it into everything you know our the competitive yeah, yeah where I've just yeah. got to win and I've got to do this to achieve and Jesus is so counterculture in that way you know where there isn't this you have to I forget which talk it was where we just talked about, I think after Sunday one time, we were talking about ego Mm -hmm. and how ego is such a big deal, Mm -hmm. you know, in our lives and how Jesus is really exposing ego through all these things. Yeah. I read recently, I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was something massive, like 82% of executives in the corporate world are narcissists, Mm -hmm. right? And they're not necessarily qualified for what they mm. do, but they could talk mm. about it. And and we're so mm. self-confident that they rose above everybody else because everybody you can't be humble in the corporate world and expect yeah. to succeed. Mm. So that's just it's just kind of crazy. Mm. It's like it's the opposite of the kingdom. Yeah. But that's what's celebrated. I think it's political world too, I would no, say absolutely. for the most part, you know. There's that effect. You find someone who's not a narcissist and they stand out and they get Trumpled, you they know. get voted out. Yeah, because they apologize. That was a slip. To tie into what Kareem was saying about like holding on to something yeah. so tightly, and then to connect that to what Jordan was saying about the the word freedom and not being able to look it up. Mm. I think when you hold on to something so tightly, what you're doing is holding on to a definition that maybe you made up. And that mm. you're, like, hoping that nobody else, like, digs in. Like, if you take the lynching situation, it's like, if she were to, she could find every reason why it's wholesome. Like, she could look around and say, my neighbors are doing it. Mm-hmm. It's a sunny day. She could make every mm-hmm. um, logical reason why I thought mm-hmm. she thought it was a good idea. But when somebody exposes the, like, paradigm shift into how to break that thing that we were saying is so hard, mm-hmm. I think... Um, I think it's like that's the that's the magic of, of or, or, or the the power of like truth. That's the power mm-hmm. of like and, and how to get there. You know, it has to be through this and it has to be through like conversations and community. Um, there was something else I was going to add to that, but I mean that's that's what I heard when you were saying. Yeah. I think what's cool about that too is that we're. I think at some point, you know, at least on the, not tonight maybe, but on the take twos we've done during this this. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, is that we've all kind of come to that place of, like, there's there's something freeing about this, mm-hmm. which is kind of unexpected because he's actually not letting us off the hook. He's like, 
he's digging he, in deep. He's yeah. Di- yeah, he's he's kind of like, you know, like we've said, raising raising the bar. So like, like it's it's not you're not good enough just because you didn't murder somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you, even, if you're not, even mad at somebody, you've got you've got a problem. You know what I mean? Right. That's not letting us off the hook. That's 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 like oh, but but something in this whole thing has been freeing, mm-hmm. and and the like idea of letting go is all part of that, right? Like like I don't have to, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't have to hold on to the things I've learned, the constructs that I've built for myself, so that I wouldn't mess up my life. Yeah, I, that those things didn't work anyways. Right. And so there's freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, like in terms of words, like the freedom word, I think is is one that's that's often a very hard paradigm shift for somebody to look at freedom as responsibility. Um, and I think a lot of the, the, the word choice, at least in the, the King James version of, of Jesus talking that I read, totally different in Hebrew probably, but um, like humility um, and, and meekness. Like when I grew up, meekness, was weakness, probably because they rhymed. Um, but like, who wants to be meek? That sounds awful. But <laughs> meekness isn't about being weak at all. It's about being so strong that you don't need to, to assert yourself and you choose not to because you have wisdom. And like when you when you define it, the, the way you define something really influences how you act on it. And... Um, mm. I think what Jesus is challenging us to do is to, in all things, seek understanding and to really actually learn what these things mean and not to just sprinkle a bit of what I want it to mean. And um, what, what's interesting is, like, there's, there's, these, there's these balances where I think if you create a lie or you ignore something and, like, you have all of reality... In order to make things make sense in a truthful world, if you shove a lie in there, it ticks this something this way because you lied. And to make everything else line up, you have to start ticking all these other things to match. And then if somebody tells you a truth and you live in this world of lies, in order to make that truth fit, you have to go to It has to almost be one or the other. You can't have a mix of truth and lies. So if you've built a, hou- a, a house of lies, it's very hard to accept even like one truth because it's so connected to everything, because, um... There's a poem in that. For sure. <laughs> that's, that's for you. Uh, <laughs> Put it in the pocket. <laughs> like, um, I forget exactly what you were just talking about, but, um... It's like, you, you don't feel condemned for doing something, but, like, in the Truth Center, like, Jesus said, yeah, okay, don't feel condemned for this, or, uh, shamed for this, but he also said, like, you're already accepted, like, you're never gonna be rejected, so you don't have to feel less or more, it's not about that, it's about recognizing how you can grow, because no matter what you do, you're accepted, but those are two separate things that work together, and if you only click one, it's very hard to keep this clicked without the other one, because they, they match, and they work together. Mm. Even that analogy, too, the, the whole thing, this one needs to be in order for this, like, it needs to happen at the same time, the same thing is, like, if I'm the one person in my place of employment who's trying, the other pieces I'm, I need to move in order for me to also continue to be successful. Because sometimes I find I'm, like, there, and then guess what? Because everybody else has clicked the other way, I just go back, right? So, like, my house or whatever, like, it's hard work. What we're talking about is really oh, hard yeah. work, and it's a daily choice, and it's something that's, like, f- forever, right? And it's just, it's this who's around you, who's in, who's encouraging you to have these conversations, to be reflective, like, who's who's checking you, who's giving you different things to consider, like, all of those things, because it's so easy to just click back to what was, right? Like, that just, okay, this is where my car is parked, right? Mm-hmm. This is, like, this is this, this feels right. But the minute you, like, turn your wheels to go into the sidewalk or whatever because you're on the hill, you're like, this isn't, you know, like, something's just, just off. So I think it's, I don't know where I was going with that, but just that, that bit of... Like, you're trying every single day, or, you know, for the most part, I'm trying every single day in different circumstances, in different situations, but it's so easy for me to just go back and go back and go back. But when Brian's like, oh, how was your day? And then we talk about it, and then he'll introduce, like, oh, well, this, and why did you respond that way? Or, you know, even just asking a simple question, like making sure that we have people in our camp who are, Mm -hmm. like, calling us to another level of responsibility or freedom, you know? Yeah. And it's hard not to get so defensive, right? Yeah. I mean, I know like, I can't do. Can't I just be mad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. 
Kramer will say, you know, did you call them? It's like, no, I didn't call them. You know, I, you, you know. There, you go up on the sidewalk. Yeah, no, I didn't call them. What, what would that do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Solve the problem. Yeah, it's, you just get so defensive in those ways. Yeah. You know, it's like, but it is, it's kind of cutting into those things. I, I love, too, just the, the paradox between mm-hmm. this being asking more of us and setting us free at the same time, right? It, it, and how can it do that unless it's actually moving us in the stream we're supposed to be going in, right? And, and maybe this is how we were supposed to be created and the freedom comes because we're living into what we are created to be and that's why it's freeing, even though it's asking more of us. Yeah, you know, great. going back to kind of what you were talking yeah. about, freedom, having the more boundaries. It's like this sets you more free because you have more things that you have to consider and live into and responsibilities and the idea of maturity and being perfect in the kingdom that asks us to live up here when we're used to living down here. This is actually where you are made to live. And so everything gets better when you're closer to who you're supposed to be. You know, it becomes more, there's a, and I think it's the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or one of those, you know, the Narnia, where they finally get to the Narnia. Oh, no, it was in uh, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis, Mm -hmm. where he talks about, you know, these shadow people end up going to kind of heaven, and they find out heaven is actually what's real. And everything else is not quite real. Oh, and so the ground is harder. And if you're not living properly into what you're supposed to be, it hurts your feet because it's too hard for who you are. But actually, when you start becoming that, it becomes natural for you. Right? And so it's kind of a beautiful picture of that. Just Building the ground. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's good. Like, you're, we're, wow. like What we're doing by thinking well is like building a foundation. Have you ever heard, like, have you ever asked... <laughs> said something or had a conversation, someone said something like real wild. And then you're like, how did you didn't build any ground? You're just, full, you're, you're clicking all of, you know, like, you're like, like, what? no, no. I looked that way, but I was like, yeah, you know, Jordan comes to her house and we talk for three hours. Um, no, no. Like I was talking about like one, like I was having a conversation and we're maybe talking about like homosexuality. I remember my, and my friend was like, uh, well, you know, if we let that go, then you know, then we'll be having sex with horses. Pretty soon. I'm like, that's that's what's next. That's all. That's all that you're. That's that's the progression of what you're talking. And I was like, but well, I think what we're doing is like building like a foundation of being able to. Because as soon as you put that floor under them, you're like, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not. Yeah. We're, we're not. That is. We're still talking about people. We're still talking about loving people. Yeah. How people love. And I think that's way more important. When he's like you, he created a a gear up here yeah. that connects to his phobia down here, and that it has to click. And if he, if you mess this up, then this has to go to yeah. like you're saying, you know. But it's um, but we th- what happens, you know, because you create these Thought safety maps, yeah, these yeah. things, yeah. these stories that you make up because you want to yeah. be safe in your house, you know, like like it's it's like it's a gun, a hidden gun, you know, like. I'm safe now, so I'm gonna talk about that. You know, so it's like that's like like painting a picture in my head. Like you're talking about like like build a foundation, and to me that's like you start where you are, which is on the floor, and you like build up, and then what you're talking about with like oh homosexuality, next thing we're gonna be marrying what with horses. Like that sounds like a slippery slope fallacy, which sounds like I started high and now I'm afraid of falling, <laughs> which sounds like an ego trip, uh, high trip slip, but um like. The, the the way that you view the conversation, the way you define what's going on, your perspective or your paradigm has a lot to do with how you act on it, where if you look at it like, hey, let's just try to like lay out what we got mm-hmm. and see what we can build, or think of it as like, no, I have everything and you can't take it. Right. right. Um, that when you when you think about like this, all you can do is stay here or fall. But when you think about it like let's build, you can go anywhere. And, like, the rules are so drastically different on the same situation. Like, when you watch a movie next to your friend, and it's, like, the first time you see the movie, and you're like, man, that was a great movie. And they're like, oh, this, oh, this is bad, blah, blah, blah. And you have these two different perspectives of the same thing. It's, it's, it's very possible. And I think it's, it's not about trying to lasso the guy down, because that's what, exactly what he's trying to avoid. It's about trying to get him to realize that he's on the floor. 
Like, have you ever seen someone drowning in the shallow end? And you just need to convince yep. them that they need to stand up? <laughs> it's kind of like that. Put your feet down, right? Okay. And touch the bottom. Stand <laughs> up. You know, but that's, that's where I think this kind of yeah. conversation helps those things not happen, right? What happens, the way that happens, because I was a part of that, it's happened to me and I've been someone who's doled it out. It's like, I've got the system and now I'll give it to you and I'll take it and go. And it's like, should we talk about it? No, this is it, go. This is, you know, this is what the Bible says, go. Is that really what the Bible says? What about this over here? What about them over there, right? Don't ask questions, here it is, go. And then they take it and they go and they're holding on to this, and then you come along and you say, hey, what about this? And it's like, no, this is my world. This is all that it is. Don't mess with it. Otherwise, I have to start thinking. And then I have to start reasoning. I, it's all locked and sealed. It's perfect the way it is. Don't mess it up, right? And anytime you introduce something that messes it up, like you said, it's just a chain reaction. It starts to mess everything up. I mean, that's what happened to me, right? I had my system. I know, Randy, we've talked about this too. It's like, no, I've got it down pretty good. I've got the Bible. I can answer whatever your life question is. Give it to me, right? And I'll throw a Bible verse at you, and I'll pull something from out of my hat, and I'll make it happen, right? And then all of a sudden, I start meeting people who don't fit in this world, but look a whole lot like Jesus. And it's like, damn, you're messing with my mind now, right? You're, you're, you're changing my paradigm and you're, you're destroying the, the little world that I have by helping me to see outside of it, right? And, and I think that's exactly what Jesus is doing, right? Had the Pharisees, they had the law, they had the, you know, the Torah, and then they had the Mishnah, all the interpretations of every law. It's like, we have got it down. Right? And it's like, okay, yeah, they've got it set. These guys study it. They go, and here comes Jesus. What about this? And it's like, kill him. Mm -hmm. right? Let's kill him because he's messing with us. Mm -hmm. We got to get rid of him. And he did. He messed with all of us. He's messing with us still. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the Sunday, I wanted to bring it back to hope. And I think we kind of touched on it with the idea of freedom, right? Because this idea of the kingdom being tangible, being present, is supposed to be good news. Mm -hmm. Maybe you guys can share a little bit of how that looks to you. How does good news, how does this look like good news to you guys? I have a, a scripture I want to share. I think answers that. So this is from Romans 13, uh, starting in verse 8, where Paul writes, Owe no one anything except to love, uh, love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. That's great. I mean, that so ties into the whole sermon. It's almost like he heard it. And, and, right? Yeah. He's there every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is good news because it's the essence of what we're learning, you know, how to love better, how to think well. And I think that makes, when I think of that, it makes me, it frees me because um, you don't have, to, you, it breaks the religion of, I can check the marks off of every commandment. And I'm like, if I learn how to love well, I couldn't kill my neighbor and love them in the same time. I couldn't cheat on my wife and love her in the same time. You know, it's like, it's a very, like, learn to love well. And and it makes the, the, the path straight, you know, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot more easy. Yeah. There's this, uh, this Kantian idea from Immanuel Kant called a categorical imperative. And it's basically, he was trying to figure out, like, what should I do, what should I not do? And he came up with this, like, litmus test that doesn't work all the time, but it's like a good basic test where it says, like, all right, mow the lawn. Is that good or bad to do? And you ask yourself, what if everybody mowed the lawn all the time? Would, would anything bad happen? It's like, no? Okay, so mowing the lawn is probably cool. 
stab your neighbor. And you're like, hmm, what if everybody did that all the time? And it's like, that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't work. That's not sustainable. So probably don't do that. Because um, you're reading this, and it, it's highlighting to me, like, I think this is good, but I think that can be incredibly dangerous depending on how you define words like love. Um, and to, to go back to, like, these things are part of a system, like, that, to me, brought up the idea, like, the fruits of the spirit, where I think a lot of times the fruit that nobody wants to eat is called long-suffering, um, but that's, that's a really healthy fruit, and it's got a lot of vitamins, and that's part of love. Part of love is suffering. Um, and to ignore that is to jump into all this stuff that we're, we're trying to talk that is not as kingdom. And love is great, but if you... If you don't take the time to really learn what love is, and you use love as the metric to say, am I kingdom or am I not, then what do you do? You're just walking around blind, thinking that you're doing right. Um, so I, I, I agree with that scripture, but that scripture is part of a whole book. Yeah, and, and Jesus is, is the representation of the kingdom, yeah. right? So, and, and the representation of love. So it's like, what is love? Okay, we got to look to Jesus, right? What is the kingdom? Oh, we got to look to Jesus. What does it look like? Oh, it looks like sacrificial. It looks like caring. It looks like, you know, giving yourself for that. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that's, again, the beautiful thing is being able to have that kind of example to look towards because it's hard to counter the life of somebody, right? I mean, it, you can, you can twist it, but when you see Jesus giving himself and telling the people who crucified him, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. It's hard to argue that God doesn't care about these people, right? He cared about those people. I think he cares about these people, right? I mean, the, the life example usually challenges us to follow in its suit or else we have to, you know, do a lot of manipulation to redefine love, right, as we see it in Christ and those things. So, yeah. we talked about uh, during the uh, "Love Your Enemies" take two. We talked about what it looks like, what love looks like in that context, mm -hmm. and, and because we do have, to your point, we do have, uh, you know, love in English is one word, right? And in the Bible, it's several different words. Mm -hmm. But the idea of agape isn't necessarily—it's not this, you know—it's not romantic love. It's not. It's it's wanting, it's wanting what's best for whoever you're loving on. So, in that regard, you can want what's best for someone who is not your favorite person, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's the, that's in my mind. That's the idea I, I'm sticking with. Yeah, you didn't want what's best for yourself, like you know, exercising, which is long suffering, you know, yeah. or something. It's like. Those things. I mean, because it, it is. It's an action word. It's mm -hmm. doing something that is beneficial for. Yeah. I think that's, that's, the verse is assuming that you're exploring the different angles of love. I think it's great. I think that's great that you brought that up. But I also think if you understand and you can take it in its fullness, mm -hmm. then it's a sense saying that, like, like the law, like, it's like, what's that quote? Like, uh... I thought I liked coffee, but it turns out I like creamer. I think it's like, the, I think it's like, I think that's what it's saying. I think it's saying like, I, you, I thought I liked, I, I was following this, yeah. you know, but it, it turns out I was really chasing love. You yeah. know, like, yeah. it, it turns out I was really after this thing. And then once you find out like the all encompassing love, like the Jesus love, the crucifixion love, the, you know, the wiping feet and serving love, and we break the whatever the Western idea of love is, and he's, I mean, again, even that probably we could probably sit here and talk about love for two hours, you know, three hours before we get blue in the face because it's so big, you know, it's like describing it like I have work in the morning. God in itself, right? right. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, but that, that was like a good point that you brought that up. Yes. It's like easy to say, like love everybody, and we're like, yeah, bring everybody flowers tomorrow. And like, oh no, you know, it's so interesting that. There is so much poetry in the scripture um, because words are limiting, but images 
expand, you know, what our understanding is. And so oftentimes we don't know how to understand something until we experience it, right? Until we feel it. And we've talked about this before where, you know, our, our, our Christian life is kind of built on three things. It's a tricycle where the front wheel is our experience, and then the two back wheels are scripture and tradition, mm. right? And they all three make the bike work, you know, but the front wheel is the experience. And it's important that that's understood because that's the shared reality that we all interact with. And that's what Jesus is working in, in all of our lives. Um, when you try and take any of the others and put it in the front, usually you have problems, Right because you can manipulate the scriptures to your understanding. You know, you can take traditions, and there's good traditions, there's bad traditions. But it's the shared experience that we have that the Bible seems to lean into with that idea of poetry, with that idea of, you know, this is what I want you to feel, right? This is what I want you to experience, and this is where the kingdom is going to show up. You know, and I think that's an important and a powerful understanding. Just even as we're going through this, mm-hmm. Jesus is wanting to us, us to experience all the things that He's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know. yeah. Any final words, you guys? This has been great. I, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Is this Sunday the last one? No, I got a couple more chapters. Oh, cool. um, yeah, so this was just the end of chapter five. I just thought it, you know. There's been so many things, I don't want to lose it, and I thought it would be great to have something like this. And I hope people watching will participate in these kinds of conversations because this is what it's for, right? This is, I want to hear your questions too. Any questions, any thoughts? No. Um, Because we we want to understand things and we need you to help understand because your experience matters how you see and understand what's happening here and what I share Sunday helps frame what it means and how we can develop it and how we can work through it together. You might have an experience of this that I am totally foreign to, even kind of like some of the stories you were sharing. It's like, okay, I need to re-look at this because I'm not taking that into consideration as I'm talking about this. And so you matter. Everyone here matters, and this is the kind of thing I want to do more of. And so I hope you guys will uh, be a part of this, and you know we can invite people to be a part of this because I think this is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thank you much. all for being here. Uh, you guys want to go out and grab a bite or something? Or get something? Everybody wave. Oh, okay. We're in before we... Everybody. Yes, everybody. <laughs> Bye, you guys. Thank you. Take care. (laughs) You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.